Tennessee baseball is approaching an important three-game homestand against Kentucky this weekend, and it's good for the Vols that these games are at Lindsey Nelson because they do their best work at home. If only they could figure out how to win on the road. Welcome in to the Volunteer State. I am Blake Topmeyer alongside the indestructible John Adams and the effervescent Mike Wilson. Adam Sparks was last seen on a roller coaster at Dollywood, but that's okay. Uh, he has the week off from the podcast, and we are joined by Mike. And who better to discuss the happenings of Tennessee baseball than Mike Wilson and John Adams? The balls uh, were on a recent hot streak, but dropped two out of three over the weekend at Georgia. And of course they did, because they've struggled on the road all season. Um, but guys, this, this program, their standing in terms of the postseason has obviously brightened since the last time. We had Mike on this podcast a few weeks ago. So how do you sort of take the pulse uh, of the direction of Tennessee right now with, with two SEC series remaining, first up Kentucky and then South Carolina ahead of the SEC tournament? Well, I, I thought Mike uh, hit on it in his story today about uh, Tennessee again had defensive lapses against Georgia. Uh, that's been a... You get in close games, and, and a lot of the games in the SEC are are close, of course. So that's uh, that will kill you. And we're still, despite the winning streak, a nine game winning streak, the series against Georgia still revealed the year long flaws. The starting pitching is not that reliable, particularly Chase Dolander, uh, who was supposed to be the star of the staff. And the defensive lapses, uh, even when they go dormant, there's only the po- there's always a possibility they'll reemerge at the worst of times. And it doesn't matter who you're playing in the SEC, particularly on the road, you're going to have to play pretty well to win games. And and Tennessee didn't play well enough against Georgia this past weekend. Yeah, the reality is the margin on this team is, isn't what it was. Um, you know, last year, the year before that, and. I think last time I was on this with you, Blake, we talked about those teams really finding ways to win. Um, last year's team in particular, I, I think I said, you know, they threw the first punch and they kept punching you until you were unconscious. Um, and this team has had this weird knack of punching itself in the face. And, and you saw that again <laughs> at, at Georgia. Um, I mean, Christian Moore with an error and what should have been an error um, in the same inning, um, both led to two run home runs for Georgia. Drew Beam gives up four home runs in four innings after giving up four and 54 all season. I mean, just kind of, that's the stuff that's happened when they've been on the road. Um, I will say Chase Dolander was their best starting pitcher this weekend though. Um, he turned in a quality start for the second time in four starts. Offense failed that game. Uh, they scored one run after being kind of a juggernaut uh, throughout that winning streak in terms of scoring runs, uh, beating up on a bad Mississippi state staff as part of that and getting their pitching coach fired. Um, but yeah, you, the first game was kind of that same thing that we'd seen from Tennessee recently, good offense, Really good pitching out of the bullpen, uh, which has become a strength uh, and was a strength at Georgia. But no offense Saturday, just too many mistakes uh, on Sunday. Really flubbed that that chance to win a rubber match. It was their first rubber match all year, weirdly enough, um, and an opportunity to leave with a, a road series win. And honestly, the consequence of this weekend is Tennessee's not going to host. Um, like they, you know, after the Arkansas series, it was a, well, what's their future in the NCAA tournament? rattle off that win streak with back-to-back sweeps, suddenly talking, oh, is Tennessee going to sneak into that top 16 seed range? 
probably cost yourself that opportunity uh, when it came to what went down this weekend at Georgia, unless you, you know, sweep the next two weekends, but I don't think that's likely. Yeah, Mike, let's let's go down that path a little further because uh, the last time we had you on here was, I believe, after Tennessee was swept in three games and a road series at Arkansas. And at that time, uh, you laid out what, what seemed like a, a very real picture for Tennessee, the possibility of missing the NCAA tournament with where things stood then. Well, since then, Tennessee has, has swept series against Vanderbilt and Mississippi State ahead of um, you know this disappointing series this past weekend against Georgia. But their overall outlook obviously has brightened. And, and like you said, to the point where a week ago, there was the conversation of could they host a regional. Now, going into last weekend, D1Baseball.com had them you know, projected as a, as a number two seed in a regional. That was before this Georgia series. Um, so coming out of this series with two SEC series to go, are they safe for the NCAA tournament? And what's sort of maybe the, the floor and ceiling of, of kind of their, their NCAA projections, I guess? Yeah, I mean, the typical numbers you look for are right around 40 wins and 14 or 15 in the conference. And when we talked through that, Tennessee was 5 and 10. Uh, Vandy was coming to town. He kind of said, oh, well, how's that going to shake out? Obviously, things went very well. There are 32 wins overall, 12 and 12 in the SEC with six conference games left. If you go 500 in those, you're in. Um, and you feel good about it. You're a two or a three somewhere, probably a two, given that they swept Vanderbilt. That, that's a marquee series they can hang their hat on. If you go and take a game or two at South Carolina, that's going to be that same thing. Kentucky comes into Lindsey Nelson Stadium this weekend as the number 16 team in the country. So win one or two there. You're talking about a pretty good resume overall. Um, they have a win at LSU. They have a win against Florida. So there's good wins and they'll be in that mix. There's, they have potential to go deep into a super. I don't know if this team gets to Omaha anymore, um, just because you take into account their different home and away. Um, Tony Vitello did say he liked his team's approach this weekend more on the road, just they just didn't make plays. But the reality is they haven't shown they can win when they're not at home consistently. So if you're playing a regional on the road, are you getting out of that regional? If you're playing a super regional on the road, can you go to a, an LSU type place and win and go to Omaha? But this team has the potential to be in a super and really it comes back to that starting pitching John talked about. That was supposed to be the backbone of this team that just has not been. If that unit figures it out, you're talking about a much different ceiling for this team. But right now the inconsistencies make you wonder which weekend in June is this team going to bow out in? Well, uh, you bring up the starting pitching again, Mike, and, and you pointed out that Delander was the best pitcher the best starter for Tennessee that this past weekend that he was, but Dolander has not been anywhere near what he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the shutdown guy, the guy that could block losing streaks in the conference, uh, the guy that could go out and dominate and win a low scoring game. And even though he pitched better in that game against Georgia, Georgia's starter was hurt on the first or second batter out for the game, George has to bring in a guy who I think pitched Tuesday. And so that was a game you would think Dolander should win. Uh, we're talking about the preseason Dolander. You'd say, Tennessee's got this. But he lost instead, and Tennessee lost a low-scoring game. And I just think despite the fielding lapses and the lineup not having the same power punch that it did last year, 
if Chase Dolander and, and Chase Burns had been the dominant starters that we envisioned in preseason, this record would be a lot better. Is there any hope of that happening realistically? I mean, there's always hope, right? I mean, we pie in the sky, but, uh, you know, it, it, grounded in reality, you know, you guys mentioned kind of the preseason projections for the pitching staff. It, at this point, can we just say the, these projections were off base or, or is there some thought that, you know, as crunch time of the season approaches here, this staff can can find what it was was supposed to be and be that dominant unit to help get this team to to a deeper postseason run and potentially Omaha. I think what you see with it, Drew Drew Beam to me was was the guy coming to the season that I thought was going to be the worst of the group, but I think you probably make the case he's been the most consistent. Um, two rough starts in the road um, at Arkansas and at Georgia really have damaged his overall profile. Uh, but Chase Burns was just not it. And mind you, he's been phenomenal since he moved to the bullpen. Um, and I assume that's where he's going to stay. Because Andrew Lindsay has been good enough in the starting rotation. Um, pitched great against Vanderbilt. Has had some nice enough outings. He's a guy that gets himself into trouble, gets out of it decently well. Um, but Dolaner's the guy that's got to be the, the bedrock. I mean, he's got to be that guy in this group. That's why he was the Friday night guy going into the season. That's why you're talking to him as a first-round pick. Uh, I mean, there was potential 1-1 buzz about him going into the season, and this hasn't been that. Um, that secondary stuff has not been as good as it was last year. He's walking a lot more batters, so that control that was very much a trademark for him is just not there. Um, and if he's a guy that figures it out, this team's so different um, because they've got the arms in the back end to get it done, uh, but the starters just – I mean, two of the starters didn't go five innings this weekend, and and that's happened all too often this season, including with Dolander. So can you fix it with two weeks left going into Hoover, going into the postseason? I don't know, but, yeah, going back to your original question, though, the projections seemed reasonable going off what was seen last year, um, especially when you talk about Dolander and, and Burns, I think. But there's guys that haven't performed the same way they did last year. When you When you go back to last season – and admittedly, I didn't follow Ole Miss's regular season that much. I watched Tennessee go into Oxford and sweep it on its home field. But uh, Ole Miss uh, was a preseason, I think, at least top five team in most polls. And uh, nowhere near played up to those expectations throughout the regular season. Barely squeaked into the NCAA tournament and ends up winning a national championship. So I think a performance like that gives Tennessee hope. Uh, maybe when you go into the postseason, maybe players look at it as a fresh start. Maybe Dolander, maybe Dolander gets a boost from that. Hey, we're starting over now. I can still prove myself. I can still finish strong and that kind of thing. I mean, when you watch him pitch, I mean, he's still got the velocity and you'll see him just look, overwhelm some batters, but then uh, the consistency is totally lacking. But I think in this sport, uh, particularly among SEC teams where there's so much talent, I think there's always a, a chance that you can turn it around at some point and maybe even in the postseason. I think one of the things that it's hard to know if this is actually going on, but you think about the way those guys were able to pitch last year. You knew the offense was going to score eight to 10 runs almost every single game out. I mean, th that team last year shattered the school home run record by 50. 
Um, it went from, I was 108 to 157. You're not getting that level of production this year. And that does affect pitching. Um, when you don't know what you're getting from an offense game to game, I mean, Dolander again, had a quality start. He went six innings, gave up three or fewer runs on Saturday, gets one run and run support. You don't know what you're getting. It, it does change that margin for error that pitchers are able to pitch with. Um, you're a little bit more free, a little bit more loose. To me, that's got to play a little bit of a role. I mean, Drew Beam again got hurt on Sunday by the, the defense, which at LSU was costly, at Arkansas was costly. It's just been a consistent issue more on the road, although it's been cleaned up a little bit lately. So I do wonder um, if that lack of consistency offensively has trickled into the pitching being a little bit tight at points. John, John you mentioned that uh, that the Ole Miss, um, you know, I guess uprising last year in the NCAA tournament, and it really kind of continued what the SEC has done in, in the NCAA baseball tournament in, in recent years. Of course, the event was was canceled in 2020, uh, but if you take that out of the mix, a team from the SEC has won the national championship three years in a row, Vanderbilt, then Mississippi State, then Ole Miss, four out of the last five years when you include Florida in 2017. And this was, you know, this has long been a conference that's that's earned respect in baseball, but really in the last five or six years, it has has certainly planted its flag, and I think you see that this week. Even though Tennessee now sitting at 500 in the conference, it's ranked 20th in the USA Today coaches poll. So, you know, stepping back from from the Tennessee lens a little bit and, and just looking at the SEC as a whole, you know, as we mentioned, Kentucky coming up this weekend, top 25 team. Then you got another team in the top half of the conference and, and South Carolina to close it. What sort of, um, I guess, respect do you think the SEC is commanding across the sport this season? And how might that affect Tennessee's postseason assignment? Well, I think it will affect Tennessee's in a positive way because the SEC is so good. Uh, the top 10 is loaded with SEC teams. That's going to do wonders for your strength of schedule. And uh, if I were picking a team, well, of course, we know in this sport, it's best not to pick the best team to win the national championship. I think 1999 was the last time a number one seed won the College World Series. Nonetheless, when I look at LSU in Florida, and I haven't seen South Carolina, just looking at its record, it's obviously really good. But I would watching Florida and LSU against Tennessee. I mean, those teams are loaded with uh, stars and uh, great pro prospects. So this is a tremendous uh, league. And so if you win one game against one of those teams, it's got to boost your resume. And the thing is, Tennessee, when it goes into a regional, possibly wouldn't play a team as good as it would in in the upper half of the SEC. So maybe when you – I think that can have a positive effect on a team. When it goes into postseason play, sort of can take a, a, a long breath and a sigh of relief and think, hey, at least we don't have to beat uh, Florida or LSU or South Carolina or Arkansas. We're playing a bunch of uh, outsiders now. We're not in our league. We're – we can take advantage of that. People talk about the SEC football element. SEC baseball is a bigger disparity uh, nationally when you talk about the rest of the country. I saw this on Twitter maybe a half an hour ago. The SEC against other conferences, 
this season has an 813 winning percentage. I mean, they it's a dominant conference. You look at this weekend too, basically all but one series was won by the home team, and that included Auburn, um, which swept or uh, took two of three from number one LSU. It included South Carolina, Kentucky getting swept. It's the league's crazy. Um, so you look at Tennessee going the road and losing two out of three to Georgia. That's what everyone did this weekend, ranked, unranked, whatever it was. Um, the league is an absolute juggernaut. Uh, and that's that helps you because you could say oh, Mississippi State's the worst team Tennessee played in the conference. And you still might go in a regional and not see a team as good as them uh, just because of the talent that you see on these rosters um, from top to bottom. Um I mean, that, me as a journalist, I'm, I'm a baseball guy, and getting to cover SEC baseball was something I always wanted to do just because it's such a big deal. I mean, every year, top talent churning through. I mean, LSU might have the number one and number two picks in the draft this year. So it's, you know, I guess the league could have four or five top tens. Jacob Gonzalez, Ole Miss, Dolander, other guys in that conversation. So Wyatt Langford, Florida. You, you see a different level uh, when it comes to SEC baseball, and it can only prepare you because um, you're seeing three – guys on a weekend rotation that are probably aces just about anywhere else in the country. Yeah, and that SEC talent will obviously be on display at the close of this month in the in the conference tournament at the Hoover Met in Hoover, Alabama. Uh, Mike, you've, you've covered this sport for, for many years. Have you covered the, the conference baseball tournament down in Hoover? Are you familiar with, with the setup down there? Yeah, I did it last year. Um, last year was the first year I was in person there just because I seem to always have a wedding. <laughs> during, the, during the SEC baseball tournament weekend. Tis the season. Yeah, so you've been there. Um, that, that, that contract got extended, I believe it was uh, two years ago, or I think it was last year maybe. The contract was extended with Hoover, you know, keeping that event there this year and next year. Uh, I believe the, the contract extension ends after the 2024 season. We've seen the SEC and other sports take its show on the road. I mean, the conference championship in in football, yeah, we know that that's that's been rooted in Atlanta um, for for many many years now. Baseball has been rooted in, in Hoover. Other sports such as basketball uh, moves around a little bit. Uh, SEC softball moves around to campus sites. Uh, Greg Sankey, you know, recently was was asked about the possibility of keeping it at Hoover long term. He didn't really commit one way or the other, but said that that facility, you know, works really really nice for this conference and, and hosting. What's your thoughts on that, Mike, as, as someone who's covered the event there, um, you know, on the idea of keeping it there versus moving it around, particularly, you know, as this conference expands westward, you know, in, in the near future with, with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, could we see that event take its show on the road and move around a little bit like we've seen, say, SEC men's basketball do? Uh, or do you think Hoover is, is really the place where it's, it's best suited to remain? I mean, I'm all in on Hoover with it. I'm also all in on Nashville for the basketball tournament. I hate Nashville. So that tells you how perfect I think that is for a setting for that. Um, yeah, I think Hoover's the great, greatest site uh, the SEC could have for it. And there's a bunch of practice fields just up the hill there um, because Perfect Game kind of does some of their summer stuff there and, and all that. So it's built very well um, in terms of their sites for teams to get ready that play in the next games. It's a very cool venue. It's a very cool place to see a game. Um, and, and I love, I love the event. I mean, again, you talk about the talent you see, it's a, it's a really special thing to see, but I also know, you know, Tennessee's played in some of those tournaments out in Texas, uh, round rock classic, I think it was one a couple years ago as Texas and Oklahoma join. That's a facility that has a lot of fields and a lot of places to do things as well. So, um, I'm sure there's always that kind of 
toss it somewhere else like the basketball tournament since I've covered the league has been in St. Louis, Tampa, mostly Nashville, but bounces around a little bit. But I do think Hoover's perfect. I also think Birmingham's great. So I think it's just an overall pretty good situation for everyone when you talk about fans, media, teams, everything going on there. So I would vote Hoover all the way uh, and keep it going there. I know John, John's probably loves the bonefish grill down there in that Hoover mall. So <laughs> get some Chilean sea bass between events. <laughs> yeah, if I covered the baseball tournament, I could really eat a lot of sea bass. Uh, wouldn't show up well on my expense account. Why does sea bass have to be so expensive? I mean, they're just a fish. Well, but uh, <laughs> not I, a lot of sea bass floating through the streams of uh, of Hoover, Alabama, and the surrounding. I know, areas, but bone, I the Bonefish Grill does a nice job with that. You just don't see it at many general restaurants. Uh, I think with uh, you look at the SEC's track record, they do like moving things around. But and and I know Mike is aware of this from having covered it. But when you look at other events, when you look at um, take SEC uh, football media days, it's it's always been there. It's been there a long time in Hoover. Now they're moving it around. Uh, moved it to Atlanta. It'll be in Nashville in July. But when you cover it, when you work it, you really appreciate the consistency. Like. They know how to run that event in Birmingham. They've been doing it a long time. And, and I'm sure it's the same way with the baseball tournament. They know how to do it. Man, that makes a big difference, I think. It, you just get a you just know everything will be okay. You don't you won't have to experience any challenges like you might in Atlanta. And, and who knows what we'll see in Nashville with the football media days. I would hate to miss that, but I could. And and the other thing with baseball is compared to basketball, I, I guess, is like the facilities that you need to be able to host an event of this magnitude, right? Like you mentioned, Mike, some of the you know the surrounding fields for for upcoming games, stuff like that. I mean, basketball, I think it's a little easier to take that show on the road. You got an arena of a of a certain size, um, you know, that hopefully has a, a practice court um, affixed to it, and it's just a little easier, I think, to to move the basketball show on the road yeah than than baseball would be i mean are there a lot of facilities you think that could that could host this type of event even i don't know that i'm perfectly versed on it to to speak i mean like i said i know the one in texas is pretty good for that um there's going to be opportunities other places i'm sure but hoover is very well built for it again there's tons of parking up the hill from the the main stadium there's three or four practice fields right there um, where again teams can warm up things go on because again that facility is used for high school all-star type stuff, showcase events and, and talent events. So I think it's great. I think what I was really impressed by when I was down there is how easy the traffic flow is. You get in, you get out pretty easily. Everything's organized. As John mentioned, I mean, it's, they got it down. They, they know what it looks like. They know how to do it uh, and they do it really well. So that's, that's why my vote would be keep it in Hoover. It's also a nice crisp four hour drive from Knoxville, Tennessee, which suits me well. Uh, <laughs> well, I, one advantage, though, to move it or moving it around, like if you move it to to Dallas or Houston or wherever, if you, is uh, perhaps promoting the sport. I think uh, I think the SEC could do a better job of promoting baseball. As Mike pointed out earlier, it's more dominant than baseball in in any other than any other sport, even though it's renowned for football and even though it is a premier football conference. 
but I can't think of another sport in which one conference is as dominant. I'm sure there could be, but as the SEC is in baseball, it just overwhelms the competition. And I think the SEC could do a better job of promoting it because I really see this as a, as a growing sport. And I think when people are exposed to it as they might be in a tournament, I think they would really, uh, would really enjoy it. Well, I'll let John recommend the bonefish, although I, I do like some bonefish myself. It's all, it's all right. Um, but, uh, Yes, I'll have the sea bass again, sir. Yes, Thank the sea bass, please. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. uh, but Thank Mike, uh, on your next trip to Hoover, I would I would recommend Gabriel's. It's a two a.m. pool hall uh, <laughs> that has karaoke for the locals uh, at least one night a week. The last time I was there, it was uh, it was quite a scene. Uh, took on some of the local talent on the pool table. I did not sing in karaoke, although uh, a lot of folks did uh, of to to varying degrees of success. What would what, what would be your karaoke song there, Mike? Well, first off, let me say El Barrio in, in Birmingham, as you well know, Blake, is one of my go-tos. And I think Collins House is the bar just down the street that has some wonderful cocktails, good people brewing. brewing yeah, fantastic. You, you won't find that at Gabriel's, I'll warn you. Yeah, <laughs> a lot, lot of good spots down in Birmingham. Birmingham, sneaky good food, man. I'm telling you, you, you know my take on that. I like Birmingham uh, for its food scene and everything else. What would be my go-to karaoke song? You know... I, I my immediate gut tells me Shania Twain is going to come into play here. Just really full send it into some weird uncomfortableness for everybody involved. I don't know, man. I feel like a woman feels like a funny option there. Um, what's her What's her other song? Uh, there's a couple hit songs there for Shania Twain that is get the people going, man. Gets the people going. John, you I, sang at your own wedding, so what do you? Yes, get? I did. Was it Elvis that you sang? No, I had an Elvis impersonator. He sang two songs, and I wrote a song to my bride to the tune of Candle in the Wind. It was Goodbye Single Life. Goodbye, Norma Jean, though I never knew you at all. Something like that. Uh, I'm really disappointed that Blake never invited me to go to this bar. I guess he oh, didn't want some old guy following him around. And, and when I, while he's hit shooting pool, I could have been uh, singing in karaoke. Next time SEC Media Days is this in, in Hoover, John, rest assured, you will you will get the invitation. We'll we'll hit up Gabriel's. I can uh, dominate the tables, and uh, you can take the stage and and sing to maybe your your next new bride. All, on that note, Mike will have all the coverage uh, of the three-game baseball series this weekend over at knoxnews.com. John will have the commentary, and maybe we'll uh, sing a little bit more karaoke uh, on the Volunteer State next week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State.